You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. James Shaw, and I would like to continue with chapter 6 of At the Limits of Political Philosophy. The chapter is called Dwellers in an Unfortified City, Death and Political Philosophy. And as you know, we are uh, dealing in these three chapters uh, with the question of those unavoidable issues that arise in human life that in some sense that uh, politics would deal with, but it can't deal with thoroughly. I will begin with three different citations. The first one is from Epicurus, the Greek philosopher, uh, who said, Against all else, it is possible to provide security, but against, uh, but as against death, all of us mortals alike dwell in an unfortified city. So that's where we get our title, dwellers in an unfortified city. The second citation is from St. Augustine's City of God, where he says, For no sooner do we begin to live in this dying body that we begin uh, to move ceaselessly towards death. For in the whole course of this life, if life it must, we must call it, its mutability tends towards death, then our whole life is nothing about a race towards death. That's from the 13th book uh, tenth chapter of the City of God. And the last citation is from Shakespeare's Henry the uh, Henry the Fifth in part five, where he says, quote, Rather proclaim Westmoreland, though my host, that he who hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport uh, shall be made and crowns for his uh, convoy put into his uh, purse. We would not die in that man's company who fears his fellowship to die with us, the end of the quote. Someone who's not want to die with us should not be with us in Shakespeare's sense. We begin with one, a consideration of a complete political philosophy. Eventually, virtue and friendship, happiness, and salvation must be accounted for uh, by political philosophy. Before treating these central subjects, however, it has been necessary first to see the brilliant errors in which political things have been seen. In addition, the natural context of these errors are the perplexing realities of evil and hell needed to be understood to see how these issues do bring us to the heart of basic issues in human dignity and worth. Human death is a third of these dire issues that begin with enigmas and uh, realities in the human life in any political polity uh, but whose understanding 
transcends uh, the, city, uh, the civil institutions. Death is an unavoidable topic, and yet it is one that is too seldomly, too seldom treated with any uh, uh, direct purpose, with any distinct purpose in political philosophy, even though there is a long uh, traditional uh, reason for doing so. Death brings up the question of the uh, permanence of friendship, a subject of the, great, of the greatest importance in political philosophy. One that relates in the ultimate, one relates with the ultimate status of good and evil among us. The virtue of courage, the first of the cardinal virtues listed by Aristotle in the Ethics, understood death to be its highest act in upholding human worth. Courage upheld the uh, good even if no one else chose it. No one was to be called happy until he was dead. Salvation included salvation from death. Death uh, did appear in political philosophy. The beginnings of political philosophy are found in the death of the philosopher Socrates and and reproposed in a new way in the death of Christ, which we will see uh, shortly. At the beginning of the Republic, in the very um, introduction to political philosophy, Socrates talked to an old man to find out about the road we all must travel and how we must prepare our, uh, for death uh, by uh, squaring, uh, squaring away any of our violations of justice. In 1769, James Boswell not unmindful, perhaps, of Socrates' remark that philosophy itself is a preparation for death, mentioned to Samuel Johnson that two days previously he had seen an execution of two criminals in Tyburn. What struck Boswell about this scene was that none of them seemed to be under any concern Johnson was not surprised at this apparent uh, indifference to death. Quote, most of them, sir, have never thought at all, he bluntly replied. And Boswell pressed him, saying, but is not the fear of death natural to man? And Johnson agreed. So much so, sir, that the whole of life is but keeping away the thoughts of it. And Boswell continued. He, Johnson, then in a low and earnest voice, tone, talked of his uh, meditating on the awful hour of his own uh, dissolution and in what manner he should conduct himself upon uh, that occasion. Could I know not, said he, whether I should a wish to have a friend by me, or rather have it all between God and myself. Execution by the state at Tyburn, no less than any other awful hour of our dissolution, what um, 
to cause us to think about the uh, meaning of death, even if we are not uh, so prone to reflect upon it. The frank passage in Boswell causes us to ask ourselves whether or not this same reflection needs to be applied uh, to the discipline of political philosophy. Do political philosophers, too, spend their whole lives keeping away the thought of death? Does the fact that death is something between God and oneself mean that some kind of intellectual separation between church and state uh, prevents us from even uh, uh, broaching this, uh, the subject of the relation between political philosophy and the meaning of death uh, within the earthly regimes of man. If we understand political philosophy as a special branch of philosophy, the branch that deals with the meaning and, uh, and uh, arrangements of our civil uh, life together, death does not appear to fall much within the purview of the political, of political philosophy. Death seems to more metaphysical, and yet we do not forget that the discipline of political philosophy began with the death of a philosopher Socrates. And contrary to Johnson's worry, uh, though within, uh, without denying his point, to avoid the thought of death is to ignore the very beginnings of political philosophy. Unless the polity was uh, rightly ordered, uh, ones which all existing ones were not, it seemed that philosophers, seekers after the truth, and politicians, seekers after order, were on a conflict uh, collision course. The next section is called Politicians Kill Philosophers. The understanding of the conflict between truth and politics was the first act of political philosophy. One of the significant tasks of philosophy was to render politics benevolent to philosophers' own needs and nature. The task of politics was to tame the philosopher so that he would not overturn the polity. The fact that the best of the ancient uh, uh, polities killed its philosopher, its best man, ominously suggested that Success in politics necessitated the death of the philosopher. No one has articulated this view of the uh, presumed philosophical uh, incompatibility of politics and philosophy better or more ominously than Machiavelli. Modern political thought is founded on this very uh, premise. In Book Five of the of his Florentine Histories, Machiavelli presented a theory to justify the use of cruelty to rule, uh, a theory he had uh, advocated in the Prince. 
reviving cyclical thought uh, that was uh, needed to understand the linear implications of this doctrine of creation. So the doctrine of creation was a beginning, middle, and end as opposed to a cyclical theory. Machiavelli observed that things pass them uh, pass from decay to perfection and back again. Quote, For virtue gives birth to quiet, quiet to leisure, and leisure to disorder, and disorder to ruin. And similarly, from ruin, order is born, and from order, virtue, and from uh, virtue, uh, glory and good fortune. Whence it has been observed by the uh, prudence that letters come after arms, and that in the providence, in the provinces and cities, uh, captains arise before philosophers. For as uh, good ordered armies give birth, give birth to uh, victories and victories to quiet, the strength of well trained, of well armed spirits cannot be corrupted by a more honorable uh, leisure than that of letters, nor can leisure enter into uh, well-instituted cities uh, with a greater and more uh, dangerous deceit than, uh, than this one. This was best understood by Cato, Machiavelli continues, when the philosopher Diogenes and Carmides, sent by Athens as spokesman to the Senate, came to Rome, and when he saw uh, how the Roman youth were beginning to uh, follow them, were beginning to follow them uh, ahead uh, with uh, admiration, and since he uh, recognized the evil that could result in this uh, in his fatherland. Uh, from the from this honorable leisure, he he saw uh, he saw to it that no philosopher could be accepted in Rome. For Aristotle, the transcendent end of the city was leisure, the contemplative life, uh, prepared by the practicing uh, by the practical virtues acquired by good. Uh, choices through uh, through the polity. For Machiavelli, who sympathized with the politicians who accused Socrates, uh, letters and leisure were most grave worries uh, for a statesman, since they threatened uh, to corrupt the virtues necessary to defend the city. When Cato the traditional example of a sober Roman virtue, saw the youth running uh, after the philosophers, he ex excluded the philosophers. Civil ruin could presumably be uh, prevented by insisting that the philosopher never enter into Rome or any other city. At his trial, Socrates affirmed that he could not 
choose banishment and still be a philosopher because in that uh, case, uh, the same thing would happen to him in uh, Thebes uh, as it happened to him in Athens or any other city. Roman statesmen understood this possibility. Uh, military virtues dealt with the worthiness of death uh, for the sake of the city and the good life. Uh, that, that is, the life of the city, Thebes or Rome. These practical virtues for the Romans were not subject uh, to uh, the contemplative virtues and ends uh, uh, ends to the ones that uh, determine the place of the military virtues, military virtues in the first place. The primacy of life over the good life began here uh, where death threatened the philosopher and forbade uh, him uh, to enter into the city. Even Cicero one of the philosophical republics to exist uh, as the actual Roman Republic. The next section is called Death and Life Before the City. Socrates died reminding uh, Crito to offer a sacrifice, sacrificial cock to Asclepios, the god of healing. Christ died asking the Father to forgive his uh, executioners, for they did not know what they did. Death cured Socrates, while death gave Christ the opportunity uh, to explain in what uh, this uh, healing might consist. That is, a remedy of the limits of justice and the limits of mortality itself. In the gay science, Nietzsche uh, commented on this uh, or incident of Socrates' last request uh, to offer a sacrificial cock to Asclepios. Nietzsche maintained that he admired the courage and the wisdom of Socrates in everything, everything that he said and that he did not say. Nietzsche wished, however, that Socrates had remained silent in the last moment. Nietzsche maintained that what Socrates meant by this request to uh, Crito was subversive to life itself. This ridiculous and terrible last word of Socrates uh, means for those who have uh, ears, O Crito, life is a disease. Is the, quote. the normally cheerful Socrates, in Nietzsche's view, overturned uh, all of that he had stood for uh, in these last words. Socrates, uh, it turned out, merely uh, suffered life. He did not uh, appreciate it in Nietzsche's view. Socrates revenged himself on all his subsequent readers who might think he was a, a 
of pessimists. Nietzsche could not forgive Socrates. Socrates suffered life, and then he still revenged himself with this veiled, gruesome, pious, and blasphemous saying. Did Socrates need such a revenge? Did his uh, over-rich virtue lack uh, an ounce of magnanimity? Alas, my friends, we must overcome even the Greeks. This overcoming the Greeks, however, this uh, accusation that Socrates looked upon life as a disease uh, that needed a cure uh, presupposed the conquering of death uh, to which, as Augustine said, uh, we are, uh, are all rushing daily. Some being other than those who die is proposed as the center of attention and action. The intellectual heart of subsequent totalitarian regimes theory lies here. The reality and dignity of personal death that each person has to face uh, as a mortal becomes obscure in the uh, ridicule and the arrogance uh, that would promise something more by means of man's own power. Camus wishing uh, to save everyone no matter what uh, he, he does is but a version of this uh, uh, promise of man's self-proclaimed power to save all. Death appears in all uh, polities existing in time and in speech. Let us imagine a number of men in chains and all condemned to death, Blaise Pascal wrote in his Pensees, where some are killed each day in the sight of the others, and those who remain see their own fate in that of the uh, their fellows, <clears throat> and wait their turn, looking at each other sorrowfully and without hope. It is an image of the condition of men. End of the quote. Every polity has the fact of death in its various forms ever present as one of its uh, justifying purposes either to protect or to punish uh, police and army are organized around the possibility and the fact of death. Yet a polity is primarily this worldly. It's about life and not death. A police and army arrive only out of what ought not to have, uh, exist. Even when a state legally decides to inflict death for crime, something mysteriously beyond politics remains uh, to recall the conversation of Boswell and Johnson. The execution of even the most uh, heinous criminal 
still forces to our attention, as it should, the mystery in which we all share. The point of public execution is the uh, realization that the consequences of law and duty are for everyone. All are responsible both for the execution and for the fact that the crimes that happened in one uh, polity uh, destroyed innocent citizens. Death limits politics. The fact of death can and should serve as a limit to politics. No death caused by civil action is justified unless it upheld, upholds justice, unless it protects us from our own crimes and aggressions and these and those of others. A polity that sees or uh, fears nothing beyond itself uh, claims uh, a complete self-sufficiency that exempts it from answering for those of its actions uh, that lead to death. The dignity of death before uh, the polity, the political point of the both Socrates and Christ, consists in the fact that the polity is itself not the uh, highest thing uh, to which man can be subject and destined. Given a choice between polity and truth, a choice uh, that in fact happens in existing polities, right order of the soul uh, requires that truth is uh, preferred to power uh, that acknowledges only its own definition of civil theology or order. States do not form some sort of corporate being uh, with a substance of its own. States are uh, composed of individual mortals who die. Politics exists over time only through the uh, replacing individuals uh, who die with other individuals who will die. The effort uh, to uh, immortalize uh, the deeds of citizens in uh, lasting public and lasting polities is not the same uh, as the question of the immortality of the soul of uh, those um, same individuals. So the question of the, of the immortality of the soul of George Washington is not the same uh, as the monument of George Washington to the polity. The question of death for political philosophy does hint that the desire uh, to perform immortal deeds and uh, say lasting words of truth is itself uh, subordinate uh, to the question of the destiny of individuals who compose the policy and speak the truth. These two uh, questions are related to each other, but they are not the same question. 
immortal words and deeds uh, that last until the polity itself uh, declines and falls do uh, attest to the desire of permanence uh, that arose uh, with the problem of the uh, immortality of the individual soul. The frailty of uh, polities is less uh, obvious than the passingness uh, that greets each individual human being at his birth. Sometimes states and empires are destroyed by other enemies, and sometimes they become corrupt and dispirited over philosophical and moral issues. Uh, they do not display energy sufficient to reproduce themselves and their ways of life. A few civil societies last two or three hundred years under the same uh, form of, uh, uh, of government, but only rarely. The relation of soulcraft, uh, the chosen virtues and vices uh, that form what comes of uh, what each human being is in himself, and the statecraft, the uh, order of regime, is close. The spiritual conditions of citizens ultimately uh, decides the worth, uh, if not the uh, permanence, of their polities. The form of polity, nevertheless, can make virtue more possible or uh, promote uh, the uh, ease uh, or incidence of vice, more things more shameful than death. The monuments to the dead, as Pericles explained in his funeral oration, represent the remains of the once living to indicate uh, what a civil society thought should be preserved. They, they memorialized what the polity wanted to emphasize when it recalled its past dead. They defined its present in terms of how the polity uh, remembered the deeds and the uh, men of its history. Pericles continued, They, those who fell, quote, in the war, gave her, Athens, uh, their lives and uh, to her and to all of us and for their own selves they won praises that never uh, grow old. <clears throat> the, the most splendid of uh, sepulchres, not the sepulchres in which their bodies are laid, but where their uh, glory remains eternal in men's minds, always there on the right occasion in, uh, to stir others to speech and action. The famous men have the whole earth 
as their uh, uh, their memorial. It is not only the inscriptions on their graves in their own country that mark them out. No, in foreign lands also, not in any visible uh, uh, form, but in people's hearts, uh, their memory abides and grows. It is for you to uh, try to be like them. Make up your own minds that happiness depends on being free, and freedom depends upon being courageous. Uh, let there be no relaxation in the face of the perils of war. The people who have most excuse for despising death are not the wretches and the unfortunate who have no hope of doing well uh, for themselves, uh, but those who ran their risk of a complete uh, reversal in their uh, lives. Any intelligent man would find it humiliating, a humiliation caused by his own slackness uh, more pitiful uh, to bear than death. Death is not, in this description, the worst of evils. Contained within this famous passage in Thucydides, uh, which should be uh, uh, compared with uh, almost any identical sentence in Lincoln, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, are the ex essential terms of the problem of death and polity. The idea that death of the well-placed and the well-educated is uh, the most difficult uh, to bear because of their good fortune, that the record uh, of noble deeds is universal. Some things are more shameful than death. In preferring death uh, to shameful deeds, death upholds the order of virtue and piety. The same argument is found in, in Socrates. Quote, in every kind of danger, there are plenty of, de uh, of devices for avoiding death if you are uh, unscrupulous enough to stop it or stop at nothing. But I suggest, gentlemen, that the difficulty is in the apology. I suggest that, that the difficulty uh, is not so much uh, to escape death. The real difficulty is to escape uh, doing wrong. The end of the quote. The dead continue to live in the city uh, which abides uh, without them. The city is a place in which deeds and words are remembered in order uh, to stir others Noble uh, to stir other noble uh, words and actions, as Pericles put it, that is to say, that is the purpose of these deeds. 
mortality in the city. We are the mortals, the beings who die and know that we die. In the universe, uh, what is immortal? Ideas, species, the heavens, all attest to their ongoing presence of objects and ideas uh, that transcend the life of individual human beings. Socrates dies executed by his own polity uh, for not believing in the gods uh, of the city and for the corruption of youth. As he himself noted uh, to the jury, because of his years, Socrates might have uh, soon died anyhow. But his judges chose to destroy him rather than to let him die of old age. The mystery of death by old age or by state execution, as Cicero's account of Cato and Plato's uh, memory of uh, Socrates indicated, uh, seemed to entail <clears throat> different sorts of thoughts about death. The jurors, uh, now immortal through Plato's dialogue, as uh, those who killed the philosopher, thought that he was corrupting their own city. They held him worthy of death. The city is to be defended against its enemies, internal and external. The life of Socrates suggests that one city, at least, should not exist, namely Athens, the existing city in which Socrates was, uh, was born. The philosopher was more important than the city. Uh, a conflict between death uh, and the philosopher and the city uh, always seems possible. The fact that it does not often happen that philosophers are killed by the state uh, does not deny that perhaps philosophers will corrupt existing uh, states by confusing the potential philosophers about virtue and truth. The normal, normal course of life, if left to itself, ends life. But life before it ends may uh, beget other life. Man wants to leave both his offspring and his memory of the of his particular life, a particular self, in the polity of his allegiance. The noblest, indeed, want to be uh, recorded in all polity, Pericles and Socrates and Christ and Cicero and Dante and Lincoln. Civil society is designed to enable us to live well, even though it claims to have the duty uh, to destroy us in our lives or in some places our thoughts or uh, the good of the viability of the state. 
This claim is, however, in the name of life. We should want to be punished when we uh, do wrong. We can threaten and uh, destroy other lives. The polity can require us to defend it as common good. The polity is necessary to live. It transcends mortal lives when it incites questions uh, that are beyond politics. This further questioning is what was characteristic of that contemplative life, that life which was rather divine and not proper to man insofar as he is immortal, as Aristotle said. Socrates, in death, however, made his city live in a way that it could not have, have lived if he had been pardoned or banished. No other sort of life is worth living, Socrates, uh, Socrates solemnly uh, affirmed. Quote, if, on the other hand, I tell you uh, that to let me, to let no day pass without discussing goodness and all other subjects uh, about which uh, you have uh, 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 we've uh, heard me talking and explaining both myself and others is really the very best thing uh, that a man uh, can do to explain these things. And that life without this sort of examination is not worth living. And you will be even less inclined uh, to believe me if you think it's not. If the only life worth living consists in um, such daily philosophical discourse, very few human lives have been worth living. Even the life of the philosopher, uh, in what sense is it worth living? So this will be the end of the first part of this, then we will continue uh, the next uh, part of, of chapter 6 on the subject of death and what is right. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.